Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you, my God, for your spirit this morning. My God, we thank you for uh, this worship service, my God, in which you've ministered to us, Father God. I pray right now, Lord, that as we begin to get into this word, I pray that your word ministers, my God. I pray that your word convicts, Father God. I pray that your Holy Spirit be on my lips this morning, Father God, that it may not be me speaking, but you, Holy Spirit. And I pray that this word fall on fertile ground in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen. Praise God. I want to preach on something this morning that is uh, probably probably one of the most important things that you yourself need to pay attention to uh, for for you, for yourself, for your family, uh, for your loved ones. You know, sometimes sometimes, you know, there is a message of encouragement that is needed. There is a message of of, of correctiveness, uh, something to uh, uplift your spirit. The word of God covers a multitude of instructions that we need to heed and apply. But if there is one message that I believe the whole world needs to lean into right now, it's this one. And it's a simple one. So I'm going to ask for your undivided attention for the next uh, moments. I won't give you the time, you know, I'll leave it, leave it a mystery. Um, but just if I could get your t- attention uh, this morning, because this is this is some important stuff. Amen. You know, this week we learned that uh, we, that Russia attacked Ukraine and there's a war happening. Right. And, you know, we need to be in prayer. First and foremost, as a church, the world isn't going to pray. Uh, the world isn't connected to God in the same way that we're connected to God. OK, so so we need to be that voice and we need to pray and we need to um, there's there's innocent people there's there's christians there's 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 a church in both russia and ukraine uh, that are that are suffering as a result of this so let's let's be in prayer uh, for them let's be in prayer for for ukraine who is suffering this this uh this catastrophic uh this war right but also also for russia uh you know the, the, anyone who you would consider the enemy what, what did we talk about a, a few weeks ago right the Bible says to pray for those who persecute you, right? It's so easy for us to want the worst to happen, but, but, but bring, bring in some prayer into that situation. Let God handle it. Amen. Um, so pray, pray, pray for a, a, a move of God, for God to exercise his control in the midst of everything that is going on. You know, war isn't something that's new, right? War has been happening since, since the earliest days of human civiliz- uh, civilization, but it is something that when it happens, people just, they become alert. They become alert, especially these days, because we don't, we don't resolve things with violence as frequently as we did, you know, as we used to as a human race. So when war happens, the whole world freaks out. Everybody's on alert. And Christians specifically, what do we begin to do? We begin to look at end time prophecy. And anytime war is looming, we are reminded that the coming of Jesus is right around the corner. And we look at, we look at many of these as, as, as signs of the return of Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about signs as things that were going to be falling out of the sky. Meteors coming and, and hitting our planet, contaminating our water. 
uh, global plagues. We hear about wars and rumors of wars. We hear about famines. We hear about extreme weather. Now, there, there are many different beliefs when it comes to end-time prophecy. It's very difficult to say for certain how it's all going to go down, when it's all going to go down. But at the very least, when we see these signs, we should take it as a reminder that the coming of Christ is imminent. He's coming. And so we should take this as an opportunity of alertness to check our hearts. Check our hearts. Check to see that our houses are in order should Jesus return today. Because how many of you know that there's an expiration date on this world? I know we get a little comfortable and we we set up our our, our lives and we make five-year plans, 10-year plans, 20, 30-year plans. But God, Jesus can come back tomorrow. Whether in our lifetime or not, he is coming back. And this world will see the wrath of God. And Jesus is coming back, not, not, as a, not as a lamb to be slaughtered, but as a lion to conquer. Amen. So I want to I call your attention to this, uh, to this fact this morning that Jesus is coming back soon. I entitled my sermon today, Paraugia. And you're probably like, what the heck is that, Pastor? Paraugia. <laughs> that is a Greek word. Paraugia. It means coming. It means coming. And in the study of eschatology, eschatology is the study of, of the end times. Paraugia is a common word that you'll hear in reference to the return of Christ. So there, there you go. You learned a Greek word and a theology word. And in Matthew 24, which you can turn to if you have your Bibles, Matthew 24. Jesus is telling his disciples what the end times are going to look like. The signs that they should expect to see before the Perugia of Christ before the second coming of Christ. And and Jesus mentions many of these signs that we just talked about wars and rumors of wars and famine and global plagues and things falling out of the sky. Now I've I've always said that I think that that it's it's so easy for us to get a little too caught up on the signs as Christians. We try to figure it all out. And we've had people who have tried to predict the very hour that Jesus is going to return. And 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 the moment we begin to see these signs kind of unfold, everybody starts freaking out. Everybody goes to the grocery store. You buy all the toilet papers. No toilet paper. <laughs> buy all the water. You fill up your gas tanks. You can't, you can't take toilet paper with you to heaven, by the way. I don't think. Um, but we get so caught up on the signs because we don't like the uncertainty. And, and perhaps it stirs a little bit of fear. And we start to question ourselves. And we're like, man, what if I'm not ready? What if our kids aren't ready? What if my loved ones aren't ready? What if I got too comfortable and now I see a sign? He could be coming back tomorrow. I got to get some things in order. This is probably why the disciples asked Jesus, what will the signs be? What should we look for? What should we expect? And, and, and you know what? Can I just say that the world has seen all of these signs since the time that Jesus has left? Since the very moment Jesus left. It's not just now. This is something we must understand. God has been releasing these signs over the past 2,000 years. And they're still happening. And as they happen, we get closer and closer to that, to the end. But, but throughout history, God has been uh, releasing these signs. And I think the, the, the reason that he's released them um, uh, throughout the past 2,000 years is so that every generation has that sense of urgency. 
so that every generation sees, oh man, I gotta, I gotta be ready because, because signs are meant to remind you of something. They were meant to call your attention to something. So before you exit the freeway, you see a sign that tells you in two miles, there's your exit, right? And, and if you haven't seen that sign yet, you're not ready to exit. You're not looking for the exit because you haven't seen the sign yet. You look for the sign to be ready for the actual event. If you haven't seen the sign, you're not going to be prepared for the actual event because you're waiting for the sign. This is why I love GPS. I, 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 started, dri- I started driving uh, at around the time that GPSs were popular, right? So, so I, all of the t- for all of the time that I have been driving, I've been driving with deep, uh, GPS. I've learned to depend on them. Without it, bro, I don't know who I am. Like, I just, I don't know what city I'm in. No, I don't, nothing like that. So, so I love GPS, and I'll put it on for, like, everything. And, and I really like it on, like, long road trips if you, if you use it. The GPS will say 260 miles, take the exit. And that's a long time. So I'm like, all right, cool. I got some time. I sit back in my seat. I get comfortable. I get all the way to the, to the far lane, right? Because I know that I, I have time. I open up my bag of chips, start eating, right? If I didn't have my GPS, I'd, I'd have to be ready and alert at all times. I, I wouldn't be eating my road snacks, so nonchalantly, I'd be looking around, looking for the signs because I would have to be alert. And can I tell you something that God didn't give you a GPS with his estimated time of arrival? I love it. I love knowing exactly what time I'm going to arrive somewhere. God didn't give us that. We don't have the luxury of getting too comfortable because we don't know how much time is left. The signs have been unfolding since Jesus Left and they're still present today, and that's all we're gonna get. So we have to be ready. We have to be ready. We have to be ready. Ask the person next to you, you ready yet? Especially if that person is your wife. Like, are you, girl, you ready yet? Come on. They're never ready, man. So, so Jesus gives all the signs to his disciples, right? This, this is what's going to happen. This is what you are to expect. But I want you to look at verse 36, Matthew 24. This is our main text, Matthew 24, 36 through 51. He gives them all of these signs, and then he says, However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, only the Father knows. Look at this. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field and one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch. For you do not know what day the Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready at all time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. 
45 says, a faithful, sensible servant is one whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put the servant in charge of all that he owns. But what if the servant is evil and thinks my master won't be back for a while? And he begins beating the other servants and partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him to a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's hardcore stuff. But can I tell you that it's, that it's real? It's real. Don't let anybody tell you that hell isn't real. Don't let anybody tell you that eternal damnation is not real that 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 God that God loves you so much that he wouldn't allow you to go to hell that, that that God loves you so much God loves you unconditionally but he is also holy and he is he is pure and he cannot be in the presence of that which is unholy he cannot be in the presence of that which is unblemished and so he sent his son to cover a multitude of sins and so you, but you have to accept it and without it we will have separation from God. And it's coming. Jesus is coming. He's coming. These messages are always, I feel like people get so scared with these messages. <laughs> like we get uncomfortable. These are, the, these are the harder ones. But he's coming. I mean, this is what we're here for, isn't it? We're here for the coming of Jesus Christ. That's why we gather. This is why we come to church. It's not just something we do for religion. It's not something that we do just for fun because we have nothing better to do on a Sunday morning. We come here because we want to we wanna commune with the Savior. And we can't get it in all of its fullness and glory right now, but we know that one day we will. So he's coming. I shared with you all before, when I was a kid, my, my family, we left from Houston. And we, we kind of ran away from the ministry for a bit. We spent two years living in Colorado. And during that time, we didn't, I mean, we had nothing to do with God. We didn't go to church. We weren't in ministry. My parents at the time, and they'll tell you this themselves, they, they did not have a visible, uh, visible relationship with God. And this is why, just on a side note, parents, it's so important for you to have a relationship with God. It's so important for, for, for you yourself to be exposed to the things of God. If you, if you're not exposed to the things of God, your kids are not going to be exposed to the things of God. If you take them out of, a, of an environment in which, uh, in which God is, is at, you're eventually going to take God out of them. Don't, don't get so comfortable not coming to church anymore. Don't get so comfortable getting a little far away from God and you haven't talked to him in a while because that's going to trickle down to your kids and to their family and to theirs. So they're going to grow up without God because they weren't exposed to God in the home. And they're going to need to find God, which is not as likely to happen as if someone has been brought up in the things of God. That's another message. But that's kind of where we were in. We were taken out of the God environment. And I was about 10 years old at the time. I, I was old enough to still have some semblance of conviction. Even though, you know, we hadn't set foot in a church and in two years, we had no Christian friends or influence. But every night before I went to bed, I always remembered in Sunday school that verse that said, he's going to come like a thief in the night. He's going to come like a thief in the night. So every night 
Before I go to bed, I will look out the window and be like, Jesus, you, are you there? I will look up at the sky every single night. I will look at the sky. Jesus, you open up the clouds. And I would, I would repent. Lord God, I'm sorry about that, that word I said earlier. I had a little potty mouth when I was a kid, man. Uh, but I would repent of my sins because if Jesus came back while I was asleep, I wanted him to take me with him. I had, you know, even as a kid, I knew that Jesus was coming. And then, and then when I got a little bit older, this is when we had already returned to Houston, uh, we came back to God. I remember telling my dad, you know, I don't want Jesus to return um, before I get a chance to live. Like, I, I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to have a career, right? Like, but I also don't want to die. So, like, if I had it my way, Jesus would come back, like, right around the time where, like, I can't get out of bed anymore, you know? <laughs> I can't walk. You know, I'm pretty much done. You're like, that's when you can come back. We'll see. We'll see if my prayers worked. Um, but I've always lived with that expectation that Jesus is coming because he is. Now, what I want to encourage you with today is not to get distracted. Don't get distracted. Don't lose your focus. Don't let your guard down. Don't get too comfortable in that seat. I know it's easy to do because Jesus hasn't been back since he left the first time, 2,000 plus years ago. Do we really think he's coming back tomorrow? Do I really think he's coming back next week? Jesus says, I want you to live that way. I want you to live with that expectation every single day. Wake up ready every night before you go to bed. Go to sleep ready. If you're ready for the return of Christ tomorrow and he doesn't come back tomorrow, it's all good. You lost nothing. What you don't want is to not be ready for Christ to return tomorrow and he returns tomorrow. Live as if tomorrow is the day. So it's so easy, man. It's so easy to get distracted with all the things that we have going on in our lives. Even in the church, even in the church, we can get distracted. We can focus so much on, on, on the church, on the ministry, on programs and events and vision and things that we're trying to do. And, and we can have a great looking ministry in order, but fail to have our spirits in order. And I praise, man, I praise God every, every day for what God is doing in this church, in Numa Church. I mean, he's, he's doing something, man. He's doing something. He is, he's, he's stirring up the spirits of our people. He's drawing people in uh, from, from the community. I mean, we're, we're seeing people get saved and receive Jesus and be baptized and be discipled. I mean, man, we, we look healthy. We look healthy. But did you know that you could look healthy and not actually be healthy? You can look like a Christian. You can talk like a Christian, but not actually have Christ leading your life. I'm pretty sure we're all spirit-filled Christians in here. Amen? At this church, at least. Right? But you know what's sad? I don't doubt that so many of the churches around the world that are full today will still be full next week if Jesus comes back tomorrow. Because they weren't ready. So many of the churches around the world The seats are still going to be full if Jesus returns. I mean, you know, as as the pastor of 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 this local church, you know, we've got we've got a got a good crowd. We're we've got a good number of people. But if Jesus comes back next Saturday, I don't want any of y'all sitting down here. I want this place to become abandoned. And maybe a new haven for other people that need to come into the church. Right? But, but, but for us, 
I want us to be ready to go, man. We need to be partying in heaven when that trumpet sounds. You have to be ready. You have to be ready. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but you have to be ready. I know that this is a, a sermon you've probably heard so many, many, many times before. But it's just a reminder that you have to be ready. And I'll tell you this. The church can equip you with the word. It can teach you and it can help you grow in your faith and it could be there for you in moments where you need somebody uh, in a time of comfort um, and failure in your life. People can be by your side, but the church cannot get you dressed. The pastors cannot get you ready. Only you can do that. We can give you the resources. We can lay it at your feet. We can preach it. We can teach it. We can, we can give you everything that you need. We can, we can set up a beautiful atmosphere of worship and we can present it, but we can't get you dressed. We can't get you ready. You have to do it. You have to do it. It's a little, it's a little quiet in here. Jesus tells this parable of, of two servants, right? We just read it beginning with verse 45. Now, we're all called to be servants of God, all of us, everyone, because God is our creator. God created the universe. He is sovereign over the entire universe, not just the church. We're all called to be servants. God created man to work the field. He created the woman to complete the man and and to help the man in his service to God. We're all servants. But a servant isn't always obedient. A servant sometimes turns on their master. And so Jesus is saying there's two servants. Let's read it uh, again. Verse 45, a faithful, sensible servant is one whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and find uh, that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth. The master will put the servant in charge of all that he owns. That's a reference to the kingdom of God, by the way, because as faithful servants, we will receive our inheritance in heaven. Verse 48 says, but what if the servant is evil? And what if he thinks my master won't be back for a while and he begins beating the other servants and partying and getting drunk? The master will turn unannounced and unexpected and will cut the servant to pieces and assign him to a place of hypocrites. So you have one servant who is living his life ready and then you have another servant who is not. Which one, which one are you? We know that there is a world that has turned its back on God. They want nothing to do with God. They were created to worship. They, they, they were created to serve, but they're not operating in that design. They have corrupted the, the, the design of God in the way that they live, in the way that they think about marriage, in the way that they think about male and female, in the way that they think about God. They were called to serve, but they have refused the service of God. And so when Jesus returns, they're going to be completely blindsided. I don't know if that makes you sad, but it it makes me sad, man, because i got people who I love, people that I know and love, who are going to be blindsided when Jesus returns. You've got people who are so lost in the world that they don't even know they're lost. You know how lost you have to be to not even realize that you're lost? It means that you've become comfortable in your lostness. You've accepted your lostness as home. And there's people living that way, not knowing that they have a purpose outside of where they're living. So many people think that the return of Jesus is is just, is just something that we choose to believe. 
They think that, that heaven and hell was something that Christians just choose to put their faith in. It looks hopeless for many people. But I want to encourage you this morning because at one time it was probably hopeless for you. It was probably hopeless for your loved ones. Maybe you never thought you'd be sitting here. Maybe you thought you should be dead by now. Maybe you thought you would, you would never step foot in church. You would never, uh, especially a Pentecostal church. But look at what God has done in your life. Look at what God has done in your life. Brother Michael, look at, look at what God did in your life, man. Two weeks ago, you were baptized. Look at what he has done in your life. Brother Edward, man, bro, look at what God has done in your life. Look at what God, and I don't know everybody's story. Perhaps God is, God is still writing it. But man, he's brought you here to this moment. He's brought you into his presence. Look at what God has done in your life. Let's not forget that before Jesus, everything was hopeless. This is why, this is why the disciples preached the gospel. You know what the word gospel means? Good news. Gospel means good news. So the disciples went all around the world to tell people the good news about Jesus. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The gospel was everything to the disciples. It was, it was everything to the disciples because it was an answer to the bad news. What's the bad news? The bad news is that the, wor- the whole world is destined for death. The bad news is that hell is a real place where real people are going to go for eternity. The bad news is that the wrath of God will be poured out over the entire world because a good and righteous God has to answer for evil with justice and punishment. But Jesus brought the good news when he took when he took the world's judgment and nailed it to the cross. And all you have to do is repent. All you have to do is accept the perfect Jesus in your life. He's made a way through the bad news. But so many people have either refused this good news or they've become so comfortable in thinking that they still have time. Don't get distracted by that lie. It's real quiet today. Like real quiet. Y'all making me sweat. What's even more alarming is going, going back to a, to a previous point is, is that the Christians, man, Christians can get distracted. How much of the church has, has left their guards down? I'm talking about the global church, you know. The people who go to church every Sunday, they, they've heard the messages, they know the worship songs, they've seen the signs. Even many of them will be caught off guard. You know, I want you, I want you to listen to this. Leaders, pastors in the room, uh, future pastors, future ministers, young people, everybody listen to this. You know that a church has gotten too comfortable when the church stops trying to bring people to Jesus. When, 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 when the salvation of people is not the priority, the church has become too comfortable. I'm sorry. I mean, this, this doesn't diminish the other aspects of church, which is to disciple and teach and congregate and worship. But, but kingdom growth is what Jesus came for so that the world would have access to the Father once again through him. Jesus came to bring salvation. And, and the apostles and the early church, they went to take that good news to the world. If the church all over the world is no longer taking the gospel to those who need to hear it, what are we doing? 
What are we doing? The church is not supposed to be a shelter for Christians. It is a hospital to the sick. <clears throat> so maybe you're, you're sitting here this morning and maybe you're not saying amen because you're like, Pastor, I'm ready to go. This, this message ain't for me, you know. I'll be back next Sunday when you preach to me, but um, I'm already checked out thinking about what I'm eating for lunch. Maybe, maybe that's you this morning, you know. And you're saying, well, whenever Jesus comes, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here on the couch, you know, watching a little something on Netflix. Try not to commit to anything that's going to suck me in. It's maybe going to want to binge watch because I got to be ready to go. I can't commit too much. If that's how the church is waiting for Jesus, we've already gotten too comfortable. If we're just sitting on the spiritual couch with our bags packed, ready to go, not doing anything else, we've gotten too comfortable. What are we, what are we doing? You know, my wife always gets after me because not all the time. Okay. Don't, don't judge me too much here, but sometimes, sometimes in the morning I'll get myself ready. I'll wake up early and I'll you know, take a shower and get ready to go. And then I'm ready. So I sit down at the table and I, I, I drink my coffee and I, I just, and I enjoy my morning. I love it. I love it. But why are you laughing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then the girls wake up, my two, my two daughters. And I hear Ellie screaming. She's crying, you know. And Layla's like throwing a fish. She's got to wake up early. And my wife is like, y'all need to get up. She does it more gracefully, though. Um, and she's, you know, she's, she's running around. She's trying to find them clothes. And, and she's going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And she gets to the kitchen table. She's all out of breath. And I'm just there like this, my coffee. Oh, that's some good stuff. I'm just, <laughs> hey, I, I've earned it, right? I got up early. I got myself ready, right? Meanwhile, she's freaking out and she's like, how, she, she, she'll look at me and she's like, seriously? You can't, you're just going to sit there. You're not going to help me. But, but if that's the attitude that you've taken as a believer, hey, I'm ready to go. I'm, I got myself ready. That ain't right. That ain't it. That's not what the church is called to do. You've gotten too comfortable sitting there with your coffee. You got your bags packed, thinking about number one. Uh-uh. That's not what the church is called to do. We should be, we should be freaking out, man. We should be, we should be like, like if, if, if you're ready to go, praise God, you're ready to go. But do you not have people in your life who you love that you want to get ready to? You want to help see ready? We should be inviting people to church, man. We should, be, we should be telling people about Jesus, man. Because Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. He, Jesus isn't just coming for you. The wrath of God is coming for them. That's how we need to think. So the way that this looks like on an individual level, just two notes that you can write down. Bringing the gospel to your home. Number one, bring the gospel to your home. You come to church on Sundays, don't leave Jesus at church. Take him into your home. Make sure your kids have at least heard about Jesus. And then make sure that they see you walking in Jesus. I'll tell you something right now. Kids hate it when their parents speak in tongues at church. But speak in curse words when they're angry. That, that does not want to make them come to church. 
Bring the raw, authentic good news of Jesus Christ into your home and make sure you're living it. They will see that. Number two, bring the gospel to your world. Jesus told his disciples, go out into all the world. That's extended to us as believers. I praise God for people like my, like my sister Monica, who's actually going out. She's going out of, of, of the, the, the beautiful U.S. of A. And she's going into a, a country where she doesn't know. And, and she's going to be surrounded with people that she doesn't know. And she's gonna be, it's going to be scary. Praise God for people like that. But that does not exempt you from going out into your world. You have a world here. You have a world here. You have, you have co-workers, you have, a fam, you have family members, you have friends, you have your circle of people that you can bring the gospel to. Raise your hand if you have Jesus. Raise your hand if you have Jesus. That's a lot of people in here who have good news. You have good news. Good news is something to be shared. When you get good news, man, you get so excited, you just want to tell somebody. You just, you just want to tell somebody. Like you can't get like you can't get pregnant without telling somebody like it's not time to tell anybody yet. But you got to tell you got to tell somebody because it's just it's some great news. You have some um, you have the greatest news ever given to the world in your heart. Share it with somebody. Jesus is coming, man. Jesus is coming. You should be talking about Jesus more than vegans talk about being vegans. Like that one, I wrote that one down. I want to say that. <laughs> couldn't, I couldn't go without that being said. <laughs> I'm about to close. I'm going to have the worship team come up. I, I want to I share this last portion of scripture with you in Romans 10, 13. Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the, uh, uh, the name of the Lord will be saved. I reference this portion of scripture every Sunday during our, our call of salvation. That if you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you, you will be saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's for the unbeliever. That's for the unbeliever. Right? That, that, that verse we give out as an invitation to say, hey, all you have to do is this. All you have to do is confess and believe. But the next part is for the church. Look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. It says, I want you to take this to heart. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Amen. We as followers of Jesus have been sent. And you're probably thinking, hold on, I didn't sign up for that. I didn't sign up to be a missionary. I didn't sign up to be a pastor. That's not what that means. But it does mean that you, you bring the good news. You are sent into your world to testify of Jesus. You cannot fail to declare the name of Jesus outside of these four walls. And maybe you're saying, Pastor, I don't know how to preach. Preach simply means to proclaim. That's what it, re- that's what it literally means. To preach means to proclaim. You don't have to do that behind a pulpit. But you can do it at your home. You can do it to your kids. You can do it to your friends. You can do it to your coworkers. 
when everybody else at work just wants to gossip and they, they want to they, they, they they tell that person who's hurting what they want to hear. You tell them what they need to hear. You proclaim the name of Jesus. Proclaim him in the way that you love people. Proclaim him in the way that you react to anger. Proclaim him in the way that you have uh, peace in your life, the way that you live your life. Proclaim Jesus because he is coming. He's coming. His return is imminent. And I know with all my heart that Jesus, that God didn't give us a time so that we could always live with that expectation that tomorrow could be the day. Live ready. Live ready. That's that's the message this morning. Just live ready. And don't get too comfortable as a church because you're ready to go. Because I guarantee you, you have somebody in your life who is not. Why don't we stand this morning? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Father. We worship you. Take a moment. Take a moment this morning to reflect upon this word. Spirit, I pray that this word bring conviction, Father. I pray that this word penetrate our hearts, my God, and our spirits, my God, to wake up, Father God, to the reality, to the fact that your son, Jesus, is returning for his church. May we be found worthy. May we be caught up with you. May we have a place in your kingdom. And I pray, my God, that you give us the sense of urgency, my God, to speak the gospel, to share the gospel, to proclaim the name of Jesus, my God, to everybody who needs to hear it. Hallelujah. I'm going to have the worship team sing something, but right now, before we do anything else, I'm going to ask every, every head bowed, every eye closed. This, this, is not, this is not something this is not something that that we, we ask you to do like if, if it's just something that you casually want to do this is, this is life or death and this is something we do every Sunday and we're going to do it again if there's anybody in the room who is unsure you're uncertain you don't know if you're ready you don't know if Jesus comes back today that you're going to be ready to go. And if today you want to say, I'm turning from my sin, I'm turning from my lifestyle, I'm, I'm committing myself to you, Lord Jesus, and I want to walk with you, and I want to be filled with your spirit, and I want to grow in my faith, and I, I want to be ready, I want to be ready. If that's you this morning, and you want to be ready for the return of Christ, I'm going to ask that you just raise your hand. If that's you. If you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, praise God. I see you, sister. Come on. There's anyone else? Raise your hand. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Two people are saying yes to Jesus this morning.
Two people are saying yes to Jesus. They're making that commitment. Now I'm going to ask that you repeat this prayer after me. The Bible says that if you just, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus was raised to life, you will be saved. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, that if you raise your hand, the, 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 the Christian walk is not easy. It does not exempt you from life. But it does invite Jesus to experience it with you. It does invite Jesus to lead you in this life. And that is the commitment that you're making. I'm going to ask the whole, wor- the, the whole church if we could repeat this prayer together. And if you raise your hands, I want you to do this with a the, with the sincere heart this morning. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your son Jesus who looked at my sin and died for me anyway. Thank you for your grace. I accept it today. I turn from my sin. I pick up my cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, fill me and lead me into the everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.